What's up, everybody? Welcome to the WWE on Fox SmackDown Roundup. Let me talk to you. Yeah, what's going on? I don't know. I don't even know why I just did that. I'm uh, I'm excited to be back talking about these shows with you. And uh, this was a good one. I was, uh, God, this opening segment, so good. I'm excited to talk about that one. I'm excited to be back doing the SmackDown Roundup. I just brought my energy level down a few decibels real fast as I transitioned there. I, uh, I'm doing this podcast in my office like usual, but my wife is out of town and all my dogs are like all over me because she's out of town and they need attention. So if there's barking or anything that goes on, just know it's because I have three dogs circling around me, and and I felt bad leaving them outside of my office because I knew they would just make more noise out there if I didn't let them in with her here. So there's your warning. There's your dog warning. Uh, if you don't like dogs, trigger warning. You never know what might happen in this episode. But also, if you don't like dogs, what's wrong with you? Come on, get get your stuff together. Get your act together. Uh, before we get into SmackDown this week, like I said, for, like I said on the on the uh, Raw roundup, there will be a new episode out of character next week with one half of the WrestleMania headliners, Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. I I'm really good at saying American Nightmare now because when he came back at WrestleMania last year, I said the American Nightmare. Because I think I just always said it that way my whole life for some reason. I realize it's not the proper way to pronounce it. I just always said nightmare. And then I said it in that video and I had like a thousand people make fun of me for saying nightmare wrong. So I really learned my lesson on that one. The American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, is going to be on Out of Character next week. We put a clip out of it on social media. It related to this first opening segment. I've already teased talking about this opening segment, but you just got another one because you're going to have to wait real quick because before we get into that, I want to give a little bit of love to the people who've been giving reviews to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. I fell behind these past few weeks since I was not doing the Roundup podcast and then I had a whole long, sad spiel in the beginning of the Raw Roundup this week. So I want to give a little love to two different people who left some very positive reviews for this show, for the feed in general, and I really appreciate it. Appreciated it. Appreciate and appreciated at the time when I read it. The first came from Rocky11, R-A-W-K-Y. So I think I'm... Saying that right, uh, Rock KY11. I don't know. Rocky11 said, Enjoy the show, five stars. I first started listening to this show about six months ago, and it is like hearing a friend tell you what happens on the weekly shows. A friend that also happens to interview your favorite wrestlers. Good questions during interviews, highly enjoyable show. Rocky, that was nice of you. That was very kind of you. You are a friend to me as well. Anyone listening to these Roundup podcasts is a friend of mine. And Rocky11, you are no different. Appreciate the love. That was on Apple Podcasts. Next, there was one from Billiam S. Like William, but Billiam. Billiam S. said, uh, five stars. I found this podcast while looking for some good pro wrestling podcasts. 
I enjoy After the Bell with Corey Graves because of how open he is with the business. Listening to Ryan and how open he is about WWE and the product is so refreshing. And to be able to think about the biz in a different way is so enjoyable. The podcast might be out of character, but Ryan is right in line with what a great wrestling podcast should be. Here's to many, many more episodes. Billiam, you are the man or woman or whatever Billiam sounds like a man. I don't know. I could be wrong. I, I don't know. Uh, that's assumption. I shouldn't have jumped to conclusions, I guess. But Billiam S., whatever you are, I appreciate that. You are a friend of mine. That's what you are. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the kind words. Um, you mentioning here that, I, that it helps you look in the business in a different way uh, really makes me happy because that is my ultimate goal. I sometimes feel like... Every wrestling podcast has the same take on everything, and then I I go like, well, that's not how I feel about it, and I'm glad that it, that me feeling a little bit differently than some of the other ones out there is reciprocated, and that you enjoy the different way of looking at things. Thank you so much, Billiam. Thank you so much, Rocky Eleven. Now let's just I teased it 500 times. I apologize. Let's get to this opening segment, which absolutely ruled. SmackDown started. With Roman Reigns coming out first with Solo Sokoa, Jimmy Uso, and Paul Heyman. Roman is quickly interrupted by Cody Rhodes, who got a big reaction from the crowd, while Reigns watched him from the ring with a smug look on his face. Cody explained that he was simply there for a conversation and didn't understand the need for protection from the bloodline. So then Roman told them all to leave and laid out his belt between them and asked Cody, What do you want to talk about? Which was very good. Uh, that was so good. You know, Cody always does the whole, so what do you want to talk about smugly thing? And I love when Cody does it. But Roman turning it around on him was such a good line. You know, it's actually weird. I was, as Cody was walking out and Roman was in the ring, I was thinking about how interesting it is, how far Roman has come from that John Cena segment that everyone always talks about. Um but it's interesting, you know, that he's now in that John Cena role of the guy who has led the company for a certain amount of time, who is, you know, this impossible to overcome guy within WWE, obviously the company's favorite son. And it's interesting to me that he's kind of now in that John Cena role, Roman Reigns, where the guy who could be the next person that carries the company on his back for a bit of time is walking out and we were going to get a segment between them and I was thinking about the parallels there about how interesting and how far we have come from that time where Roman has transformed into something completely different uh, over time obviously with the change to the head of the table stuff but I just I don't know it was interesting to me looking at that and that's all I kept thinking about is how it's it's I, I found it um <laughs> you know, appropriate that, that that he was now on the other side as that guy. And the person coming out is someone who was technically in the company before he was even on TV. So I, I don't know. There was a lot of like interesting uh, things to me when I was, when I was watching this about, you know, time and whatever. I don't know. I'm sappy lately dealing with grief, whatever, but I'm just saying, I thought it was interesting. Uh, so Cody, <coughs> excuse me. Cody talked about how Roman is the impossible mountain to climb for some. Cody talked about how Roman is the impossible mountain to climb for some. 
But that's what Cody has built his career around. He then recalled people saying he'd never be anything but Randy's understudy. He'd never survive Stardust. 10,000 people would never pay to see him and his buddy's little indie show. But continued to prove people wrong as the goal co- as the goal posts kept being moved for him. I saw someone who was at the building tonight point out that that was where the first uh, Dynamite was, uh, which obviously Cody was in. And I, I, you know, because of that, I even more so liked the the little nod to All Out and and AEW, since I'm sure some of that audience was familiar with Cody being there uh, for all of that, and you know his part in all of that. But I also liked it more because, and I and I know I've mentioned this in the past, but I do believe that like we're getting this cool like you know AEW's former. The guy who who carried the AEW flag in the public face uh, of the company for a long time in Cody Rhodes, well, long time in you know the, in, in terms of how long that company has been around, but it is kind of like you know the guy who was the front facing figure at a lot of the media and public things beyond you know Tony Khan. Um, it's Cody Rhodes, you know. Yes, Kenny Omega was like you know one of the top guys in the company and the young bucks too. I'm not sliding them, but you know, it's the four of them. And Cody was, you know, the guy who was trying to rally everyone for a long time to, to come follow him instead and what they were doing. And so us getting the AEW guy versus WWE's guy that whole time in a match um, is a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big you know, uh, undertone of this story, in my opinion, between not story of this of this match. Um, it is almost a dream match element type thing where it's like, wow, we're really we we, we ne- a lot of people never would have expected Cody Rhodes to even be back, and now he's in the main event of WrestleMania against the guy who was on top that whole time. So I, I like the little nod uh, to AEW there and and all out, um, or excuse me, double or nothing, uh, or all in. And, and double or nothing. Um, so then he says to Cody, says to Roman, he says, it might, uh, Roman might be impossible to some, but not for him. Uh, Roman then belittles Cody, obviously, for never having held a world title or main evented WrestleMania before, like him, and said that he's been groomed for greatness from day one, not just by his own father, but by the late Dusty Rhodes as well, Cody's dad. Roman explained the close relationship he had with Dusty and how Dusty told him all the time that he had it. He even did a great little Dusty impression. But one thing that Dusty never talked about with Roman was Cody. So then Roman stuck out his hand and assured Cody that if Dusty failed to teach him anything, then he would. An agitated Cody laughed this off and and then really fired up and said in order for him to exist, it's a necessity that he defeats Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. He then stuck out his hand and said, may the better man win. Roman shook his hand and walked away to the back. This is how you sell this match. I mean, this was just like money all around. Money, money, money all around. I mean, for one, I think there was, you know, yes, there was demeaning going on in some fashion, but it wasn't like you suck as a wrestler. Neither of them were like you suck as a wrestler. It was real deep. It was real personal. And it was personal in a way that we as fans 
completely understand the story of. Like, Dusty Rhodes is an iconic figure in the world of pro wrestling. Dusty Rhodes, iconic figure in the industry. But but beyond that, you know, so many fans know that this current crop of talent at the top are are were all you know had had Dusty's hand in in some way in their career Dusty was involved in all their careers when he was working at the performance center he was involved with Seth Rollins Sami Zayn Kevin Owens uh, you know the list goes on and on and on and on and on including Roman Reigns and so to kind of like go back to that and dig into a thing where you know and this might be fresh for me <laughs> but and and this is a topic that Cody and I discuss on the podcast next week. You know, we talk a lot about grief and losing a father. Um, but I think that many sons feel like they want to be better than their dad was. They want to show their dad that they can be even better than their dad was. And however that manifests in different ways. I think that they want to show their dad, like, I can be even better than you were. And I think that we can also relate to, <laughs> a lot of people can relate to a father who doesn't believe their son can do that uh, and doesn't have that confidence in him and then has that confidence in others out in the world and you're like, well, that, and, and the son is like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't he have that confidence in me but he has it with someone who's not family? It's a weird, screwed up father-son thing that a lot of people have. So I think that, if that's a story you can relate with, then how do you not back Cody Rhodes here? Where you're like, man, this guy just wants to still, even in his dad's absence, of his dad not being there anymore, of his dad being gone, he still wants to show his father that he, that, that he that he could be as great, that he could be better, that he could do all of this. And I think that that's a story that resonates with so many people. I think that um, a lot of people have dealt with situations like that with their dads, um, whether they're alive or dead, you know. And I think that bringing that element into this where it wasn't like, oh, you left, you're not worthy of the main event, you know. It was really just like a, well, I mean, if you really were the guy, then why didn't your dad think it? Because he thought of it about me. And I and I, I just think that's such an interesting story to tell where it's like, you know, we've talked about the the, the great storytelling in the Sami Zayn storyline. But this is like classic storytelling too. And I think that personally, you know, it's a, it's a story that resonates with me as well. So um, when I was watching this, I was just captivated in the whole thing because you could see it. In the way they were both playing it the whole time. Roman's smugness. Cody trying to be stoic as he comes out. But the second his dad stuff gets brought up. He knows it's his Achilles heel. But then he also knows that if that's really what Roman has. Then then he doesn't have much right now. Because that's something he's been dealing with his whole life. And it's the thing that's motivated him to get to the main event of WrestleMania. And beat Roman Reigns anyways. And also on top of this. Just, just last thing I'll say on this because I know I've spent so much time on this, but I thought it was so great. Is I think that for me personally, wrestling is best when the lines are blurred between reality and fiction, and usually that means 
you know, the audience not knowing if what they're watching is real or not, right? Because it's a fictional thing, but then it kind of feels real. And you're like, well, which is it? But I find this interesting because it's almost like the opposite. It is real. It is something that is a, a real thing that 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 Cody Rhodes has within him emotionally, uh, a real motivation in his life, uh, something that has inspired him for the past few years, that has pushed him to the top, that has pushed him to do all these impossible things. And you know, if you followed wrestling, that Cody Rhodes, like this, is real how he feels what he needs so when you're taking something that's actually real something so deeply personal something that fans can relate with because it's someone who we all loved on a different level obviously but we all love dusty Rhodes too when you like mash that all together like all these real life things and then you're kind of putting a fictional spin on it. It's that, That's what I love about wrestling. That's when you can buy into somebody winning a world title at WrestleMania and, and, and care. And truly care. You know, like be invested. Someone the fans are going to, you know, emotionally connect with. That's how you're going to emotionally connect with people. So this was all fantastic to me. I loved it so much. I just spent so much time on it, uh, but I, that's how much I, I I connected with this and how much of a home run I thought this was because everything was played correctly here uh, on every level. No notes, no critiques. Let's move on to Liv Morgan versus Rhea Ripley. Uh, Rhea dominated the beginning of this match, and then Liv made a solid comeback and hit an awesome code breaker from the middle rope for a nice little near fall. Things got uh, a little comp- uh, competitive uh, after that before Rhea ultimately hit the riptide, followed by the inverted cloverleaf for the submission win. You know, I just, I don't think Rhea needs to uh, reestablish that she too has a submission move like Charlotte Flair before their match at WrestleMania. But, like, I also don't have a problem with wrestlers having more than one move that they can finish a match with. I, do, I, I, I think it's good when it looks like they could lose with anything. I just think that it's hard to reestablish something like that in just a few matches. Like, she would have really have had to have, like, really used it often for me to, like, put it on that level. I think that instead, uh, what they should be focusing on, and they did in this match was just how confident she is right now. I mean, she's clearly at an all-time confidence high in real life as a character and it's 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 you know, it's it's being conveyed on, on screen. I um so I liked all the trash talking to Charlotte. I liked all of the confident stuff that she was doing that she wanted to even win a match with something that wasn't her finisher. The the power bomb looked sick that she did where she caught Liv trying to do the code breaker again from the top rope and power bombed her. Um it was a it was a fun match between these two. I think that they know each other so well from their time as a team, for being friendly with each other, from working together for so long. They have good chemistry together. Uh, whether it's on the same side or opposing sides. And I also felt like it was smart to have Rhea beat a former SmackDown women's champion on her quest to taking down Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. So, you know, I I think that 
similar to kind of what I had said on Raw. It's like you got to, you know, if people are challenging for titles, even after winning the Royal Rumble, like you, you want to heat these people up as much as possible and make it look like there's a reason they're challenging for the title. And, you know, a squash match isn't necessarily the thing that will do that. Uh, A competitive match makes a bit more sense. But at the same time, because Rhea is so just, you know, dominant right now in what she's been doing, I felt like this was a healthy healthy medium between everything to kind of, like, satiate all parties here and make sure, you know, Liv doesn't look too weak here. She didn't look weak in the match. Make sure Rhea still looks strong. She did in the way she was handling everything. Make sure that they address Charlotte in some fashion and apparently now also reestablish that inverted uh, cloverleaf. But the cloverleaf is dope. I liked when she did that move. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not against it. I just was saying, like, I think you need time to reestablish a submission move as a possible way to end a match, personally. Uh, and that's just like the most massive nitpick that I could think of for this match. Uh, so don't beat me up. I'm not like, uh, I'm not, it's not that important to me. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, but just when I was watching it, it was definitely the thought that I had since they were trying to hype it up on commentary afterwards about like, oh, Charlotte has the figure eight and, you know, Rhea has the inverted clover leaf, and I just just didn't seem to be on the same level those two things. Next, uh, we were in the Bloodline locker room. Roman asked Jimmy Uso what was up with Jay Uso. Jimmy tried to play it off jovially, saying Jay just needed more time, but Roman said he's running out of patience with Jimmy over this not being resolved. Uh, not Jay that he's running out of patience with, but Jimmy. And Jimmy told Roman he'd let him know and walked out of the room. After that, Rhea and Dominic ran into Santos Escobar, who challenged Dominic to come to the ring alone and face him like a man. Dominic did not do that, however, as he came out with Rhea anyway for the match. And this was a fairly equal match that saw Santos continually try to make Dominic respect the Mysterio mask which he did not want to do. Dominic uh, pulled brass knuckles out of his pants at the end, and Rhea used the distraction to hit the riptide on the floor. Dominic then landed a frog splash and stole the win. Quick note here before we get to the aftermath stuff. The past few weeks, ever since Santos Escobar showed respect to Rey Mysterio over the mask, and they traded masks or whatever... Um, it's kind of felt like the rest of Legato has been kind of absent. I've been a little, it almost, it appears like they're turning Santos face when he has like a whole faction with him, which has kind of confused me because I like Legato. I like what they were doing. I was super into it. Um, I'm not sure if it connected with the audience yet, but it was getting there. I think take, some of these things take time. Not everybody was watching NXT when they were doing stuff. So I was a, I, I, that's really when I was watching this thinking, like, that's interesting that they're turning Santos Escobar into a baby face, it seems. Because I kind of expected there to be more between Mysterio and them. Yeah, I don't know. I just... Uh, 
it's interesting to me that he's being built up as a babyface now. And I don't know what to make of that because what happens with Zelina and the other guys then? Do they maybe find someone to replace him? And and then there's a feud there. I could see that happening because I don't think Legato should just go to waste like that. Obviously, the name is tough without him there in the group. But um, maybe a different name? I don't know. I've been trying to think of what I could see. I know Dragon Lee is in WWE now. Could he take a spot? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know if I think I, there's anyone that immediately comes to mind that I'm like, well, he could be the new guy in charge of Legato. I mean, unless it's... <laughs> unless Andrade came back, and then the Zelina connection would make the most sense, and then we could, you know, do something there. Andrade and Santos would be dope, but I don't know what the status of Andrade is whatsoever. I just know we haven't seen him in a while. I think he's injured um, and whatever. Yeah, I don't know. So um, that would be cool. That's my ultimate fantasy booking in this, but I don't even know if that's anywhere near possible. I'm just speaking completely out of turn here. So I don't know. You know what? Before I get further uh, out of turn here, before I do that, let's take a quick commercial break, and then I'll go back. I'll get back with my thoughts on the rest of this week's SmackDown. Okay, so after the Santos-Escobar-Dominic match, uh, Ray confronts Dominic on the stage after he had been trying to rip up the Mysterio mask when he was in the ring. Uh, Dominic, of course, kept trying to goad his father into punching him, but Ray continued to refuse. Dom then dropped the mask, and when Ray went to pick it up, he beat him up. And as Dom walked to the back, Ray sat on the stage looking dejected. So at this point, since Rhea is challenging Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown women's title at WrestleMania, clearly the match we're finally going to get here is Dom versus Ray at WrestleMania. They've been building up to this for too long. We've had months and months of buildup. We had the turn. We've had the holidays. We've had all this stuff happening so clearly the plan would appear to be Dominic Mysterio versus Rey Mysterio at Wrestlemania because you know when Dominic finally gets punched by Rey Mysterio the crowd's gonna go insane because say what you will about what you think about his in-ring work the heat that man has when he is in front of the audience is insane it has not it has not let up it has continued. It's gotten bigger. The people are waiting for Rey Mysterio to finally get his revenge. Give Dominic his comeuppance, and we're getting closer to that. the 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 forehead the the, the forearm shot uh, was a little d- didn't really connect the way I think they probably would have liked. But this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be this is gonna be a fun match. I mean, they've done such a good job of building up to this. They have done the long term storytelling. People don't seem to be tired of it. People are enjoying Prison Dom, um, and at WrestleMania, you know, you have the match. But here's my question: Do you think that Rey Mysterio would is gonna beat Dom at WrestleMania? Because you'd think his dad wants. <laughs> this match to help Dominic as much as possible. And you would think beating Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania would be a bigger deal and give him a little bit of credibility 
And he, then he would let him to continue on with the prison stuff. You have the guy who'd be his dad and the new SmackDown Women's Champion. You know, I, I could see all of that. It does, in my mind, make sense. Because it feels like Judgment Day is going to have to come over to SmackDown after after WrestleMania. Because Rhea's going to have to, there's going to have to be something that happens. And I'm guessing the trade-off is going to be when we get there is Imperium going to Raw. And I'm going to explain why in a second. But I do think Gunther is going to lose the, the title at WrestleMania, which will free that up as well. But if they have the match, Dom versus Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania, it does kind of hurt Dom here if he loses. And you'd think Rey wants to... to help his son so I bet you he doesn't get that ultimate comeuppance that we think he's gonna get I think it's gonna further solidify the future of prison Dom when we get there and and make him even more confident in himself and what he did in leaving his father and then maybe down the line we can get a reunion when they they make good when 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 Ray is planning to retire or something. We got to get there first, though. I'm thinking so far ahead. I'm literally planning out Ray Mysterio's retirement in my head right now. Let's not do that. Let's reel it back in, Ryan. Let's get to this next topic. Uh, the next segment uh, it was Drew McIntyre coming out to address the fact that he doesn't have a WrestleMania match. And then he challenged Gunther for the IC title. Sheamus angrily intervened here saying that Drew knows how much winning the IC title means to his WWE career and scolds McIntyre for not discussing this with him first. Drew said he doesn't need Sheamus's permission to do anything and then got brutally honest, reminding his friend that he had two chances and lost. As things got tense, LA Knight came out to insert himself into the conversation as well, which then prompted an entrance from New Day, who pointed out that LA Knight can't even win matches on SmackDown, so why should he be given a WrestleMania match? Karrion Cross came out after that, and of, and of course, as you'd expect, the situation turned into a brawl. Later, it was confirmed that there would be a five-way match next week to determine who Gunther's challenger will be. So, you know, I, I, I was one, I was happy about this segment. And two, it's because... these are like all the people that I was wondering, what the hell, what are they doing at WrestleMania? we got a month to go. What is the deal with all of these guys? Like Drew McIntyre should not be left off of WrestleMania. Sheamus should not be left off of WrestleMania. LA Knight coming off this huge feud with Bray Wyatt. Well, you know, huge in terms of like the spotlight that it was put, that, that, that he got put on him and the work he did within it. That was great. Um, you know, I was wondering what was up with he. You know, he should be at Mania in some fashion. New Day should, uh, of course, be involved at WrestleMania in some way. My, I had a friend say to me the other day, like, I guess like they're just gonna be playing a lot of video games out here for up, up, down, down because they're just like don't seem to be in the mix for anything, and that did blow my mind because New Day are one of the most popular acts in the entire company. People love them. The crowds go crazy for them. They're great wrestlers in the ring um two of the most popular guys in the entire company so i was like why what's up with new day and carrying cross you know he's come back um you know he 
has you know, uh, you know he had the feud with Drew McIntyre. Uh, he's feuding with Rey Mysterio, and then suddenly it was like, no, what, what's what's his deal for WrestleMania? So when I look at this, even though I know they said there's going to be a five way match next week to determine who Gunther's cha- Gunther's challenger will be at WrestleMania, I'm kind of expecting this to end in DQ and turn into a six way ladder match for the IC title at WrestleMania. That's 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 what I'm expecting here. Because I know that there had been like rumored that, that the money in the bank might be returning to WrestleMania, but then the money in the bank got announced for the UK, I believe, as its own event still. But ever since Money in the Bank has not been part of WrestleMania, that exciting ladder match that's that that like that that exciting you know and I know they did it with the Intercontinental title post Money in the Bank um I don't know if it was once or twice whatever but that that had been missing that that element of the show at least in my opinion it was very missed um so I I th- I, I could see Triple H being one of the people who who also recognized that it was a piece of the show that had been missing so I am that's that's my hunch. I think we're getting a six-way title match uh, for the IC title at WrestleMania. And that way, Gunther loses the, can lose the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania, which will be a big deal based on how good his reign has been. But beyond that, Gunther can lose the title without getting pinned. Then it does not hurt going forward when he challenges someone for the world title. And that's why I think that Imperium will move to Monday Night Raw because Roman is so firmly planted on SmackDown. I could see a world where once, if, if, once, I don't know, if the belts get split up because of Cody Rhodes and Gunther's um, interactions in the Royal Rumble, it made it feel like there was unfinished business between them. And I do think that Gunther is going to be one of the early challenges for Cody as champion. I just think there's going to have to be a switch that happens. And I think it makes all the sense in the world where Gunther coming off an IC title loss at WrestleMania will then want to go after the world title. I, that's just where I'm looking at it right now. Maybe I'm once again, looking too far ahead. That's what I like to do here. I'm an analyst. I am analyzing where I think these storylines are going. And that's where I think that one's going. And I'm hyped for them. If it is a ladder match, I'm hyped for that. I also think if it is a ladder match, even if it's not a ladder match, here's what I think. It doesn't matter if it's a ladder match or not. Whoever the match includes... I think that it has to. I worded that wrong. Excuse me. However many people are in the match, I want Sheamus to be one of them because Sheamus winning the IC title at WrestleMania and finally accomplishing that dream is a big deal. Sheamus has been a guy who has been around the company for so long. We as fans have watched him from day one, um, and and the guy has only continued to get better. He is someone that ha- has put on banger after banger, as he says so eloquently. And it just, to me, I think it'd be the rewarding thing to do here. And he doesn't have to actually pin 
Gunther, so it doesn't mess with Gunther's you know streak or whatever. It doesn't mess with the fact that he's unbeatable. So I think I, whether it's a ladder match, whether it's like a three way where it's where it's um, you know Drew, Sheamus, and Gunther. Um, but but I do think the best possible option is a ladder match here because much like I was saying, New Day should be on the card too. LA Knight should be on the card. Karrion Cross should be on the card. This is a way to get them all on the card in a meaningful fashion. You put them all in an IC title match. Let's go. We're off to the races. So hopefully that's where that goes. Excuse me. Coughing one more time. Excuse me. <coughs> oh, man. People who don't like coughing on podcasts are really going to be mad about this episode. I apologize. I don't like hitting my mute button because before I've hit the mute button and then not turned it back on and then I lost a bunch of audio. So my apologies for that one. Wait, I'm taking a swig of water. Hold on one second. Okay, we're good to go here. We're good to go. Uh... All right, after that, footage was shown of a parking lot brawl between Rhonda and Shayna and Natalia and Tegan Knox. Um, they said that Rhonda apparently suffered an arm injury in this, so she was sporting a sling. I'm guessing this is a kayfabe injury. If it's real, it'd be real like, crappy for WrestleMania being right around the corner because, to me, I, I, I talked about it on the Raw podcast, but I mean... I really think you know, the more I've thought about it since Raw, that we're gonna. The, the, I feel like we're gonna get a tag match on one of the nights of of Ronda and Shayna versus Becky and Lita. Now, now that Becky has the tag team titles, and I know, I, like I said, I know I mentioned that on the Raw podcast as well, but I just uh, this arm injury doesn't seem legit. I don't know. It just came out of nowhere. I got. I don't know. Maybe I'm tripping. I don't know. We'll we'll have to find out. Next, after that, though, there was Tegan Knox versus Shayna Baszler, and it was quick, decisive victory for Shayna, who won via submission. I got no issue with building Shayna Baszler back up as the absolute monster that she was in NXT. It's going to take a little bit of time, but they are slowly getting there again. Um, you know, Ronda kind of uh, managing Shayna is cool. I, 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 I know that there's a lot of Ronda haters out there. But I do think it's cool that she's managing her out there and she's like, break her arm for me. Break her arm for me. Like, I, 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 it was a small little thing. But the fact that she said break it for me rather than just like break her arm was just like a cool, it was like a good heel move. I don't know. It just, it made her sound like a real psycho, you know, person who just want her friend to break someone's limb for. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Cobra Kai and how absolutely ridiculous some of those fights are. And you're like, that would never happen. Like, you know, like. There would be that. There, someone that evil wouldn't actually exist. That's like break their arm for me. Or you're out of our club, you know. Or you're you can't be in our karate league. Uh, that that's what it that's what it reminded me of. Uh, you know the way Ronda was on the outside. It was just so like Cobra Kai. It was very uh, uh, yeah. It was very '80s villain. But I, I like it. I mean, I think that Ronda 
is naturally a heel. I mean, she doesn't give a crap what people think about. And so I I have felt like positioning her that way has been the smart move uh, since Triple H took over. I think it's, it's been a great twist on everything that, they, that she had been doing before and finally letting her be the heel that she wants to be in pro wrestling. But she's talking about Roddy Piper all the time, who was a heel. She's smiling and doing the opposite of Roddy Piper. So now we're getting that evil side of her. And I, as short as this was, uh, I, I enjoyed, uh, I still enjoy the combination of Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler as a team. So I, I, I got no complaints here. I think Shayna Baszler rules too. So anything that makes her more dominant looking again is a win in my book. Bobby Lashley then made an unannounced appearance on the show to call out Bray Wyatt and said he wanted to meet him face-to-face. That's how he does things. He's not going to make these silly videos and stuff that he wants a face-to-face encounter. But he was instead met by Uncle Howdy, who attacked him from behind. Lashley got the upper hand, though. Hit, took him down with a spine buster. Before he could hit the spear, the lights went out, and Howdy was gone. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, I, I like the Howdy music. It's creepy. I also, okay, I know I talked on the podcast before about how I didn't think Howdy was Bo Dallas, but I want to clarify that a little bit. It was never that I thought he wasn't the guy that was behind the mask. It was just like, I don't know storyline-wise why we would expect there to be a reveal showing it's Bo Dallas other than the fact that Hardcore fans know they're brothers. That's why I, I was saying that. Um, but this part where you can hear Howdy laugh, that was clearly Bo Dallas. Uh, <laughs> clearly Bo Dallas. The voice was very recognizable. But I am still firm in my belief that it should never be revealed as Bo Dallas. Howdy should be its own character. It's already been built up as its own character. They've already established this Uncle Howdy thing, even though it's confusing. Um, they've established Uncle Howdy. It doesn't need to be Bode. Oh, no. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, I mean, I'm coughing. I'm sneezing. If you're, oh, man, if you're a germaphobe, you're going to hate this episode. I apologize. Um, but, yeah, I don't think there's any reason to reveal Howdy as... Bo Dallas. Um, as far as this segment itself, I don't know. I think, excuse me, I think that the Uncle Howdy thing is super scary and intimidating looking when he's, you know, in the videos. They've made him very um, intimidating sounding, good horror villain. Um, when you see him on the stage laughing, a little less cool. Uh, when you see him in the audience, in the, you know they had him that one time in the audience with the Alexa Bliss stuff, a little more cool. Which also I'm confused where what happened with all of that because she's just been gone now, um, and all that got dropped. It feels like it's a big thread that's been hanging. I don't know if that was intentional or not. Uh, but back to my point of what I was saying here is all that being said, when he gets in the ring, uncle howdy, or when he's actually wrestling, 
that's a little less intimidating. I, I, it doesn't look as scary. It looks like a guy in a cheap mask who's really skinny, who's doesn't really like, I just, his presence doesn't make sense. We don't really have, we haven't really been explained it well or had anyone try to explain it to us what his deal is. And he, he's not like this, you know, a lot of times when it's like a masked wrestler, like a cane, let's say, like they're these big, scary beans. Like it's like a monster in a mask. Jason, you know, Jason's this big, scary guy in a mask because he's this tall, big guy, you know. Um, the, the Howdy looks kind of skinny, doesn't look super buff. So it doesn't really like it doesn't seem that it almost ruins the allure to some degree in my opinion when I when he doesn't necessarily live up to the the rest of everything when he's out there in the ring doing something. So yeah, so you know, especially when you have him against someone like a Bobby Lashley who is just a muscle mountain of a man. So, yeah, that's that was really my only thought on that one. It's not that I didn't like it. It was just kind of like I'm waiting for more, I guess. Because I love the Bray Wyatt stuff. I just think that, like, I don't know. I think we need a little bit of explaining as to why Bray Wyatt and Howdy are, like, homies now when they weren't. We still haven't really had that explained very well. Even if it's someone else explaining it. Like, I'm okay with another character hitting us with all this, you know, uh, info. It'd be fine. If we got introduced to a doctor that said what's been happening. I just think there'd be something to be helpful to have a little bit more info on what's going on. And on top of that, uh, to have Howdy look somehow a little bit more intimidating. Um, because... Then you'd be like, oh, Uncle Howdy's here. He's seven feet tall. You don't want to mess with Uncle Howdy. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I'm overthinking it. I don't know. Back in the Bloodline locker room, Roman asks uh, Jimmy, uh, asks for an update on Jay. Jimmy says that initially Jay just wanted more time, but now he's telling Roman to leave him the hell alone. Reigns explained that Sammy introduced all this selfishness into Jay. And if Jimmy can take care of their Sami Zayn problem, Jay would come home. So because of that, he needed to take out Sammy tonight during the main event. Jimmy said he would, but when he walked out, Roman told Heyman that Jay has one week. And after that, he's going to start blaming Jimmy instead of Sammy. So I've been thinking about this. Well, you know what? Let me get through the main event. Because I've been thinking about this all night and something just kind of clicked in me. But I think I should just get through this. So Sami Zayn versus Solo Sokoa. Uh, Solo was kept strong for pretty much this entire match outside of a few comeback spots for Sami. Which actually surprised me because Sami came off a world title match where he had Roman pinned and was white hot with the crowd. There's no need to simmer that by having him look inferior to a different member of the bloodline in my opinion. It just, it made it feel like they were trying to cool him off. Even with the post-match antics. Having him lose so easily to someone who is not on anywhere near the same level as Roman Reigns. Even if it was with a small, cheap, 
quick cheater move from Jimmy, which is what happened because we saw that Sammy, Sammy finally hit a blue thunderbomb. He went for the Huluva kick. Jimmy pulled Solo out of the way, allowing him to hit the Samoan spike for the win. Even with that, um, it just kind of made Sammy look weaker. And I think that we sh- they should be making Sammy look as strong as possible still. Keep that momentum rolling, not try and cool it down a little bit. That's just how I looked at that. After the match, though, they beat down on Sammy. And he did get some of that heat back because uh, there was some cocky hesitation from Jimmy, and so Sammy got the better of things and made his way through the crowd. Um, so I've been thinking, like, like how does how how do they? Like, if the rumored match is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos for the tag team titles, right now we're nowhere near either of those two teams being on the same page. And I've been trying to think, like, how do they get there? How do they even get Jay back in the bloodline? <sighs> Especially with the way he's talking to Jimmy right now. And the only thing that I could think of, unfortunately for the Usos, <laughs> is that the only thing I could think of is, so this all started with the Usos being forced into the bloodline. Like, if we go back and like think about it, like Jay wasn't stoked on Roman to start. He didn't want to have all this. The only reason Jay joined the bloodline and then later Jimmy was well, first it was Jim, first it was Jay, and and it was because it was because Roman beat the absolute hell out of Jimmy Uso, and it made Jay Uso finally throw in the towel and say, "Fine, I'll." serve you in the bloodline. I'll acknowledge you. Please don't hurt my brother. So Roman knows that that is Jay's ultimate Achilles heel. He wants to protect his older brother. So because of that, I think we're about to see a Jimmy Uso beat down at the hands of Roman Reigns again. And Jay Uso is gonna have to come say and is gonna have to come only rejoin the bloodline to save Jimmy Uso. And then we can have the match. Because then, you know, they're back together. Roman then says, now the two of you together go handle the Sami Zayn situation for me. They then try to destroy Sami Zayn. Kevin Owens finally relents on the beef that he's got with Sami Zayn, knowing that they are actually BFFs, comes out, saves him. They get the superpowers, handshake, place goes nuts, or hug, whatever, place goes nuts, and then at WrestleMania, they win the tag titles. You can get there over the next few weeks. That's kind of what I think. The more I think about it, the more it feels like that's kind of the story that we're getting here, but I think next week we're getting a Jimmy Uso beat down and Jay's going to have to do exactly what he did before and just take it to rejoin the bloodline. But because things are going so good for Jay Uso right now too and the Usos and Sami Zayn, I do think that when Roman Reigns loses the title at WrestleMania, that will be the true implosion of the bloodline because they've lost the tag titles. They've lost... Uh, the world titles. They're no longer the most powerful faction in all of professional wrestling. And I think the Usos 
then walk away from Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns takes a hiatus, and the Usos do kind of like transition back into being baby faces, and they kind of take that momentum that they've got from all of this, uh, and and not necessarily you know turn on Roman Reigns, but walk away from the bloodline once they've everyone's lost their titles and the bloodline has no more. And Paul Heyman is in the ring crying and freaking out as the bloodline officially split. That's where I feel like this is all going. Was that too much analysis? I don't know. Maybe it was. You know what? It might have been. Let's just get let's just let's just cut this. Let's 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 just end this here. Make sure you go follow WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We're on all of those, so make sure you follow WWE on Fox to stay up to date on the latest happenings in the world of WWE. Also, please, if you're listening on this podcast feed, if you're already subscribed, please leave a review or a rating. If you stumbled on this episode, this is the first time that you're listening because you were looking for raw reviews. Hope you enjoyed it. So if you did enjoy it, push subscribe. And then all of you collectively, if you get a free second, at some point, you could be pooping, you could be doing whatever, Go leave a review for Add a Character on on Apple Podcasts if that's what you listen to podcasts on. If you got an iPhone, go hook it up. If you're using something else, go hit the star, five-star button, whatever. Go hook it up. I would appreciate it very much. Also, make sure that you're subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find clips from Raw and SmackDown throughout the week, but also... Out of Character with Ryan Satin every Wednesday morning on video. And then after that, there's clips, there's YouTube shorts, there's there's a lot of Out of Character content there. So go make sure you follow the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Excuse me. All right, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. It's, I'm done. <laughs> I'm officially tapping out for now. Until next time. I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been another WWE on Fox SmackDown Roundup. Pew, pew.